Hi, this is Natalie, producer of The Art of Ambition. What you're about to hear is a special roundtable chat between myself, writer Mark, director Tom and actor Josh. Unfortunately, we did have a couple of minor technical hiccups during this chat, so apologies in advance for the issues in audio quality that crop up. Hopefully it won't affect your enjoyment of this episode. So without further ado, here it is. Welcome to the Art of Ambition podcast. My name's Natalie. I'm the producer. I am here doing a little round table with the other creatives involved. We have got star of the podcast, Joshua Manning. Hello. We have director and editor, Thomas Mitchells. Hi. And we have Mark Burrow, who wrote the piece in the first place. Hello, Mark. Now then. Thank you all for coming and doing a little roundtable with me about this. It's been a lovely project for me to do during lockdown when everything was a, a bit uncertain and a bit, bit crazy and there was not a lot going on. Um, so it's been really lovely to work on this. I don't know how it's been for you guys. Hopefully well, good. It works good work right now. God, isn't it? <laughs> nice to do something. Yeah. yeah. Nice to do something creative. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to... The theatre is not going to be open anytime soon. Oh, yeah, don't. It's, it's too depressing. <laughs> um, I want to go back to the, the start of um, the inception of this as a series. So, Mark, um, you originally wrote The Art of Adornment, which was episode one, for the Ragged Scratch podcast. And uh, we all collaborated and worked together to produce it for that. And then you had some feedback that was really positive right, which spurred you to write the rest of the series. Can you talk a little bit about that? I did indeed. It was um, a really good friend of mine, Michael. Uh, he suggested that uh, the character he likes so much, there should be more of him. Uh, why not write some more episodes, chapters about this character in different situations? And since he said that, other people had said that as well. And the idea of like, yes, we like this character being a doorman, but... He, is, he wasn't really a doorman anyway, and why can't he be other people and other characters, other personas, mm. this kind of man of mystery? That was something else I wanted to ask you about, actually, was you've chosen some quite distinct and specific situations and jobs to put this character in. Was there anything that particularly inspired you to... So we've got the the florist, but that's actually his grandfather. We've got um, him in the the waiting room to go into an audition we've got him as a chef we've got him as a parking attendant and a stand-up what kind of inspired you to choose those particular stories it's uh, in my experience of being in new york it's kind of every job i've wanted to do myself uh, I, I love going to the bars there uh, so i wanted to be a barman i love, I love visiting diners uh, mm. i wouldn't want to work in a diner but i just love being there uh, you get yeah. to hear lots of stories uh the parking lot attendant, the phantom attendant, was actually uh, an urban myth story based in England, uh, which if you look it up, it's uh, Bristol Zoo. Uh, it, it was a story circulated that was meant to be true, but it turned out to be a myth. 
Yeah. The florists, I've got such an interest in the Prohibition area and um, mm. my university dissertation was on uh, American literature from the Jazz Age period. So I've got such a fascination with that period in any case and uh, I just really enjoyed writing about it. And the actual place is based on Pete's Tavern, uh, which is the oldest bar in New York. And uh, that was actually a florist uh, in Prohibition era. So it's based yeah. on real florist. Ah, that's really cool. A lot, yeah, a lot of these uh, experiences are based on uh, my real life experience uh, in New York and just enjoying the place. Uh, and that interesting. Now you say it, I think I heard the story about the parking attendant at Bristol Zoo because I went out to theatre school there and I did hear that story. I didn't put the two and two, I didn't know that's where you drew the inspiration from. I thought that yeah. was true. There was just a random guy that used to charge it's, people it's a... to come and park in, in Bristol Zoo. This was the story. And then it turned out years after, it was like, no, the, the car park's free. Well, <laughs> this guy was just showing up and charging people for it. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that was a story. And then it turned out that it was just an urban myth. Uh, it, it, it never existed, apparently. But um, stand-up comedy, I really enjoy. And there's a comedy club uh, in Greenwich Village called The Comedy Cellar. So uh, the final episode is based on uh, my experience of going there and... Uh, my last experience going there was amazing because uh, we actually bring on comedians that are not on build on a list. And so you look at your lineup, you've got six comedians, but they're going to have guests. And the guests are like uh, just amazing people. Uh, so one of them was Louis C.K., who's very oh. famous in America. But the biggest one who came on uh, was Chris Rock. He just turns up. Oh, and wow. You're paying $16 for a night of comedy, and then you get Chris Rock at the end of the billing. So... That's where the inspiration for the stand-up came. And, um, I love <laughs> and the, the audience at this place got Austin I Mambo instead of Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, they got shortchanged really with that one, didn't they? Proper shortchanged. <laughs> I wanted to bring Tom into this. So again, the, the original piece that we did, The Art of Adornment, you came on as a director for two pieces. And you did a fantastic job editing both, but you said to me that the Art of Adornment, that became a bit of a passion project for you, directing and editing it. So when agreeing to do the full series, was there anything in particular you were excited about or were you dreading it because of the amount of work you'd put into the first one? Well, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I mean, in the real world, pre-COVID, I probably would have been a bit worried about the time I'd be able to commit to something like this you know ah the doorman I was fortunate enough to have a week spare um before I was going into a theatre job so I was able to dedicate a lot of my free time into that and obviously being locked down in a weird way it made it fairly easy for me because <laughs> yeah. my days were able to be centered around the art of ambition I could give myself an actual routine of getting up and and cleaning audio or editing and making directorial decisions based on sound design but uh, my biggest dread although it's quite a harsh word to use, is just making sure that each episode didn't just become moody man talking quietly about a scheme. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to, I had to really focus on making our man as complicated as, as every, everyone is like every other, rather than just being a one note and becoming dull to listen to, because it's, it's very easy for you to have your mind set on a tone and style that matches the first episode, which is out of a doorman. And carrying it on for six episodes was quite a challenge in trying to figure out how we can make this more interesting. And what was exciting about this was exploring ways of injecting other human qualities into our anonymous man, like humour, love, 
anxiety mm-hmm. and extending that monologue into six was the challenge in order to get right. Yeah. So actually you, you picked up on the fact that we did kind of, yeah, it does have this tone of moody man with a scheme, which <laughs> is, we kind of, we pulled out the noir genre of it, even though it's not true noir, but it has that vibe to it. It has that feel to it. Yeah. And the thing is, I do love monologue styles and the noir style is very, very, in- I find it very interesting that it is this just a narration of someone going through a journey. And that's what I found really fun and interesting. I think I settled on the end, having worked in theatre and video games. I think the great thing about noir is that it can, it can be a bit too hammed up in places. It's very easy to ham up. And, and one example of this is, those of you that are listening play video games, you might be aware of Max Payne, which mm. is a very famous modern noir type narration based on a graphic novel. And it is very much a, then I came through the door and I came and all I could feel was the thumping of my heart slamming against my chest. And it's just really dark. Like, Be careful what you say about the Max Payne games, Tom, because I love them. Uh, Max, Max Payne 3 is my, one of my favorites. So, but the, the thing is, it's like, it's fine in small doses, but listening to it as yeah. a full series, as an audio podcast was, was something different. And so... I was able to think, okay, well, we have noir, we have that kind of mood, but we don't want it to be depressing. Mm-hmm. And so with monologue delivery, I looked at uh, things like Alan Bennett and the way he wrote his monologues and the way that he, he himself and those in Talking Heads delivered the monologues. Just being able to sit and, sit and listen to one person and one person only just talking effectively talking at you because they're not able to respond to anything you're doing. You're just listening and being able to manipulate the way that the ambitious anonymous man weeds through this story was really, really good fun. And being able to use sound and audio design to place the audience with the ambitious man at the same time to give it something slightly different to noir. Yeah. And Josh, as the, the actor for this piece, was there anything, um, And any techniques or anything that you did in particular to try and avoid it sounding too monotonous? Or was it just kind of bouncing off Tom's direction and making sure that you brought those different lights and shades out? Sure. Well, I certainly think that, yeah, Tom's direction can't really be be underplayed in helping to bring out those lights and shades. Because I think it's very easy to find yourself falling into those kind of ruts, um, particularly with a character that you've, you know... I think the art of the, you know, the art of the doorman, a lot of it felt very internalized. And I think for this series, the continuation of the series, we start to see a much more kind of extroverted side to this character. Um, so, yeah, there was it was a kind of there was a sort of a teasing out of trying to find those those lights and shades, um, I think, which definitely Tom helped with immensely. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just there's something I don't know sometimes with a particular character particular i think the dialect lends itself very much to that kind of delivery as well which you're kind of fighting against the the max Payne kind of um you know noir new york kind of accent which Mm -hmm. just sits in a particular part of my voice that can start to dwindle into monotony if i lean into it too much uh also you know just having that outside ear something can sound great in your head but yeah (laughs) it's the beauty of doing this project is that we were able to kind of give ourselves a bit of a bit of time to have a play and 
take a few different ideas. I mean, what, what we what we did regularly in our recording sessions, as as you would have known, Natalie, as you were there, is that you know it was always good at the end to get a few pickups of certain parts of the script where I went, let's just try something a little bit different. Maybe I've got a wacky idea. Let's just try this instead. Let's yep. try something completely different to how we all envisage this part being delivered. And then you'd find that that bit that was the wacky out of place idea, which we thought might not work when it goes into the editing suite, you're like, Oh, actually, yeah, it gives it something a bit different. It gives it a different melody that it's been playing throughout. It's very often the case. It's the, the wacky ideas, actually the right ones. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Go hard or go home. I wanted to talk about the, the recording session actually, because, okay. So compared to the, the original recording art of adornment, we were in a studio, we had Kirsty Gilmore there, sound wizard, Kirsty Gilmore, who was recording yes. everything and providing kind of, backup support and assistance but for this one it was all recorded remotely obviously covid um so josh how was that for you how was it different uh, compared to working with tom and kirsty in the studio well i mean i think it was i mean the, the session the actual recording session for doorman was was very brief but the luxury that we had was the um, was the rehearsal that we had beforehand? You know, Tom and I met up a couple of times and, and, and went through it, and that <laughs> went, really, for yeah, <laughs> yeah, went for a pint. Strict professionals. Yeah, um, but you know, that's the real luxury as an actor. Really, is is it's not when you have to get into the studio and actually the red light turns on and you have to do it. It's it's the time when you're able to kind of play around with it. I guess and we had the 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 recording sessions were longer um because you know our schedules are all very flexible at the moment let's face it but so we were able to play around with it a lot more in the session but yeah it was it was definitely different not having that just that time to to really just i don't know think out loud with the piece and and, and bat a few ideas around everything was everything was going down and everything was being taped from from the get-go really so there's yeah it's, it's a bit more pressure to kind of just like do it on the spot you know get it right mm -hmm. and uh yeah there wasn't as much room for experimenting but we managed to yeah like we're just saying squeeze in a few different interpretations of it even within yeah. those constraints which is great yeah yeah the the ragged scratch podcast schedule is is pretty brutal and i try and make it kind of like um you're preparing to do a live performance as if you were doing the recording, but stood in front of the audience, like you get one shot really yeah. and a couple of pickups and that's it. Whereas yeah. we did have much more room to breathe. Um, Mark, I want to bring you back in cause you didn't, you did not get to listen to the original art of a dormant recording session for the ragged scratch, but you did get to sit in and listen to these recording sessions. How was that experience for you as a writer to hear us kind of, particularly Tom and Josh kind of tweak and pull apart your text. I found it fascinating and uh, inspiring because uh, often writers forget that uh, what they're writing on a page uh, is going to actually be picked up by somebody else uh, who doesn't know my head and in, is going to perform it. And uh, I found it really uh, interesting just to see the press and hear how Josh uh, interpreted it so really well and it was fantastic. It was just a really good experience for me. I learned a lot from it, just sitting in on those sessions and hearing things and uh, listening to the three of you and how you coordinate things. It was just fantastic. It was just, uh, for me, it's, it, it, would, it really helps for future writing of uh, audio uh, and uh, 
yeah, it was something, and I'm glad I sat in numbers lesson uh, because it really, yeah, for, for me, it was just fantastic. Oh, well, it was lovely to have you with us as well to fire ideas back at and ask questions of. Um, it kind of really helped it feel like quite a collaborative piece. Tom, I wanted to come back to you. Uh, so as well as directing and editing, you are an actor you mentioned before. You were heading out on the theatre tour, which got cut short due to COVID. Yeah, it did. Yeah. How, how have those acting skills and voiceover skills, um, how useful have they been for you sitting the other side of the booth? Oh, so useful. Extremely useful. Um, I know myself how I like to be directed and how I'm approached when it comes to directing and, and giving notes. Um, so I have quite an empathy towards actors when I'm on the other side of the booth. Um, and over the course of my career, I mean, I've had, I've had a plethora of different types of directors. Some I've really admired because of how they direct and others. Yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> voice acting, voice acting is really fun. It's such a fun thing to do. And it, it is, it is one of my loves and passions. So as a director, the one thing I want to do is that whoever I'm working with, I want to keep it fun. Um, it's a collaborative project. It's very open. It's very easy. And just having a nice, just having a nice chat. And the great thing with Josh is that we were really, like, as you said earlier, we were really lucky to be able to meet up and, and just have a, a, a nice chat, sit in a, sit in a pub and just discuss Mark's character. And when we recorded for Ragged Fours, we, we'd already had a great rapport before going into the, the studio. Mm. So we'd already like built up quite a nice friendship. And then when we were coming onto this, it, it just made it so much more easier because it was great to chat about how the ambitious man has become much more complicated and build, building the relationship with your actor as a director is so important. And it makes, it makes it easier for the actor to be malleable and things to become less restrictive than if you just, you know, were being a bit, cold and stone-faced and didn't make the effort to kind of build up a relationship with someone mm. yeah it makes such a difference so over the pieces that you've directed and edited for us as well tom you've created some fantastic foley moments and uh, <laughs> some lovely sound design um but in terms of foley creating your own sound effects doing strange things to make noises what's been your favorite or the weirdest sound you've created and how did you do it Oh blimey! Well, there's a, there was a couple of a, a couple of interesting ones. I mean, later on in the series, I couldn't do as much foley because um, as time went on and restrictions were being lifted, uh, the nail salon underneath me opened up and she started blaring ah. dance music. So it was becoming more and more difficult. But I've done I've done some funny things. I mean, I've used my voice a lot, whether being a muffled stand-up comic which you hear in, in, in the final episode. Um, I'm someone sniffing and breathing, waiting for an audition alongside Josh. Um, but I think my, fa my favourite thing I did for this series in particular was <laughs> coming up with the music that was played in the kitchen um, in The Chef. And I, I was scrolling through some free tracks and I heard this Bossa Nova track. But mm. when, when I scaled it down to be a part of the environment, you couldn't really hear it. You can only just hear a really subtle... So to make, it, to make it pop out a little bit more, I decided, oh, I think a woman should be singing along in French. And uh, that French woman is me. Ah. And if you translated the lyrics 
it's just nonsensical French that makes sense, but it's complete nonsense. Uh, right. I start I start singing about Cafe Nero at one point and <laughs> talking how about it's not a real coffee shop. There's all sorts of nonsense. Um, so there's an Easter egg for you. I am going to have to go back and listen to that with much more scrutiny because I don't think I quite picked up on that. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, we, we're starting to run out of time so I wanted to go back to Josh quickly um, in terms of your your process mm. as an actor um, so you work on a lot of audiobooks as well uh, where characters come and go and you have to keep track of the voice you choose for them and sometimes across entire series of books do you think that helps you return to the doorman character do you have any tips or tricks that help you get back into a character voice that you've not worked on for a while sure. well I mean I think there's a mixture of things, there's a mixture of both sort of technical and more artistic facets to that, I guess. It's like, uh, I guess from a from a kind of technical vocal perspective, you know, it's it's trying to reaccess the, the placement, the tone, the pitch, um, you know, the intonation patterns that that character uses, the accent, obviously, and the kind of um, the vowel enunciation and things like that. But I think more important than that really is just is remembering um the the energy that underpins the character really because i think once you can once you can reaccess that everything else becomes a hell of a lot easier so it's about finding um what drives that character the impetus you know and obviously this character is all about telling stories is all about drawing people in is uh is all about dare i say it, ambition uh <laughs> in that shakespearean sense of the word but uh, yeah, and I think for me that was that was the more important uh, facet of it to try and access. Really, was to was to um, explore the uh, the emotional energy behind the guy and and uh, and get back into it that way. Um, so yeah, and certainly it was uh, it's it's easier than doing audiobooks where often you're voicing you know dozens of characters. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's now you know once you can just zero in on on the guy's voice, um, there's a wonderful sense of freedom and being able to just inhabit that person rather than having to uh, to flip between things. So uh, yeah, I'm thankful that. <laughs> Yeah, Mark didn't throw in too many curveballs for me in that regard. <laughs> I have done a grand total of two audiobooks so far, and I had spreadsheets all over the place for keeping wow. track of the characters and yeah. the voices and all yeah. that kind of thing. I was, yeah, yeah, that's very organised. I don't always do that. I, have to say. <laughs> I just, it's like I would much, I would always much rather prefer to be the performer on, on the performing side of things, but I do love a spreadsheet. Which You're a born is, producer. Which That's is fortunate yeah. because that means that things like this can get made. Um, <laughs> yeah. We are going to have to wrap things up, but I wanted to go around and ask everyone. I know, obviously, COVID, things are still very uncertain, but what's what's next for everyone josh what's next for you are you working on anything at the moment um well the, as you say the audiobooks continue i'm, I'm currently working on a uh, i'm doing a sort of military memoir of a, an american soldier that uh, uh was an intelligence officer in the middle east during the mm -hmm. iraq war um so i'm i'm plugging in uh, plugging at that at the moment and uh that's been very rewarding and uh doing more and more sort of video game voiceovers a bit of audio drama Sweet. i'm going up to scotland to see my mum soon as well who i haven't seen Lovely. for like nine months so nice. that is long overdue due fantastic to COVID. so 
I'm happy to be uh, getting on a train to do that very soon. Yay. How about you, Mark? What's next for you? Um, waiting for objections from various uh, people. Uh, there's lots of things pending that I've, I've written recently, whether it's for audio or for um, stage shows and places. Uh, uh, I write a lot of poetry as well, so there's a couple of things coming out. Um, there's where I'm from in um, Northern England, Otley. Um, there's a version of the Canterbury Tales we've done. Um, based on that area so I've got something coming out um, in that anthology which is I think based on some time. Um, had an idea for a stage show about the uh, kidnapping of Mona Lisa so it's based on oh. a true story when the painting when the painting was actually stolen from the Louvre. Uh, Picasso right. was one of the uh, one of the um, suspects at the time and I thought well rather than uh, and I thought about her as a person being kidnapped. And, well, that uh, was my question. I, as soon as you said that, I was like, I didn't know she got kidnapped. The painting got kidnapped, not her. Yeah. Herself. yeah. So, <laughs> making, yeah, making yeah. a character out of her, and she gets stock. She gets Stockholm syndrome, and she falls in love with, of course, the kidnapper. And uh, that, that's wow. where it's going. It's it's not finished yet, but it's uh, that's the idea. I think it's it'll be quite funny. <laughs> Intriguing. And and Tom, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, just bits and bits and pieces again. Um, I mean, myself and Josh ended up in a mobile video game together uh, oh, yeah, amazing. Uh, last yeah, month, uh, which is been, quite funny. Has it been announced? Can we uh, talk about it? Yeah, it has, but it's... it's has it been announced? Okay. I think, yeah, it was an update, but I'm not going to lie, it was a bit weird. And um, <laughs> okay. it's a bit of a weird game. Um, but yeah, no, so, and then I ended up as the, the voice of the Energizer UK TV ad campaign. So you can see Amazing. my voice with a flossing battery. And, um, and thanks to doing the work with Ragged Foils, yourself, Natalie, and Mark and Josh, um, I recently got offered the job as a freelance voice director for a production company, Pit Stop Productions, hey. where I am due to start work on being a part of a big team directing voices for the game redacted i can't tell yeah. you but um Classic. something i've been working on something i've been working towards for the past three years um in directing and, and getting into voice directing um the hard work has finally paid off over lockdown so i'm uh, very much looking forward to working with many more talented people like josh <laughs> amazing yeah, just remember where you came from yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I uh, continue to do bits and pieces for pets at home, listen out for their voicemail messages, it's me, um, alongside a couple of, uh, of redacted video games. And uh, we will be looking to do season three of the Ragged Scratch podcast this right. year, at the end of this year, September. Nice. Um, you heard it here first. Um, oh, so, exclusive exclusive uh, so I'm going to end this before the zoom call gets cut off so thank you all so much for doing this round table it was lots of fun great talking to you guys it's been an absolute pleasure until next time until next yeah, time thank you everybody. of ambition 2 <laughs> the ambitioning get right in Mark get right in get right in Mark come on type away Once again, this is producer Natalie popping up to apologise for the audio issues we had in that backstage chat episode.
Now, just a quick one to say that we've been nominated for the Audioverse Awards, which is very exciting. And thank you so much to everyone who took time out of their days to fill out that form and vote for us. We currently have nominations in the Writing for New Audio Play and Best Overall New Production categories. But the nomination period is open until the 30th of September. So if you reckon that Tom deserves to be nominated for his direction or Josh deserves to be nominated for his performance, then there's still time to fill in the application form for both of those. I've done a Twitter thread that has all of the information that you might need for it. So please head to twitter.com slash raggedfoils to check that out. Now, if you've enjoyed this series and you would like to support us, please remember to subscribe and then you can rate and review the series as a whole and also individual episodes. And doing all of that really helps other people find the podcast. So that supports us so much. Also, if you're in the very fortunate position to be able to support us financially, we would love that too. Please consider heading to our coffee page. That's ko-fi.com forward slash ragged foils to give us a tip. All money raised will be put towards our pot for future productions. Uh, Speaking of, I mentioned the Ragged Scratch podcast season three during that interview, and I can confirm that applications will be opening up from Monday, September the 21st to midnight on Sunday, October the 11th. We will be looking for short audio plays, directors and actors, and, for the first time, sound designers. So, please pop along to raggedfoils.co.uk to find out more and apply. Hope you enjoyed this standalone audio drama series from Ragged Foils Productions and thank you for listening. (laughs) 